Hackett. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. We'll be here for the next couple of hours talking sports with you. Glad you're with us here on a Thursday. Busy program coming up. uh, Our first guest today will be Rob Howe, HawkeyeNation.com. He was the first to reach out to Fran McCaffrey yesterday when the rumors were out there that he is um, flirting, or Arkansas is flirting with him. Don't know if it goes both ways, Trent, but um, that was the story. At the time, there were three. There was another name of all people, Steve Alford, added to the mix to make it four. We learned Musselman was out. His wife didn't want, doesn't want any part of Arkansas and the South. She's much happier in Reno. Patino, who we were told was using in his leverage, he's out. And ironically, we're down to two, perhaps. Down to two. It can't just be this two. If you're Arkansas, and we talked a little bit about the athletic director yesterday, just, I mean, this, this feels, well, like a guy making his first ever hire, <laughs> flying directly into the towns or cities. Of the candidates that he's interviewing? Right. You, that's not how this is done. Well, normally, no. You usually meet somewhere where the media wouldn't be able to pick up on it seemingly as easy as Scott Dockerman did yesterday. Right, right. You, you find a different place for it to happen. And you have the conversation. We talked yesterday, Kirk Ferentz. It was in Atlanta. Right. His conversation that he had mm-hmm. with Bob Bullsby. That's where these things, you don't fly it. No. But of Do course. in big cities where a bunch of private planes fly in right. every hour of the day, for crying out loud. And guys like us can't easily track exactly how it is going. If it is down to Alfred and Fran McCaffrey, first of all, that's hilarious. Mm-hmm. It just, just in its own right, the connection here to Iowa and everything that goes along with it. And secondly, if you're an Arkansas basketball fan, no, yeesh. It's a program that won a national title. It's 25 years mm-hmm. ago. But won, won a national title. Won a national title. Nolan I would still Richardson. consider that. Recent history. I think so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a long time ago, but... But at least semi, I right. mean, yeah, you, I remember it, so mm-hmm. that, that means it's recent history to me. This is a big-time program. This is a program that has a lot of money that is invested in it, too. People, of course, know about the Walmart money there, but that's not it. That Northwest Arkansas area, there is a ton of money there. They can heavily invest, and if this is what you come up with, I'm sure there's some people there not real pleased about how this is going. And with it, if it would come to fruition, the frame McCaffrey would leave for Arkansas. I, I still believe that might be a stretch. I'm, I'm with you, Trent. I just can't put, put it together. But if that would happen, I think this shows you. Iowa basketball fan, don't be shooting for, look, if UCLA struggles to get a coach and they end up with Jamie Dixon, mm-hmm. what is Iowa basketball? If Arkansas, that's won a national title, that has been to Final Fours a lot more recently than Iowa, struggles to find a coach. What is Iowa going to come up with? Fair point. I mean, that's... I kind of hope on one hand, Trent, that we have this discussion and we actually have to live through it, but I I just can't see it. I get Arkansas is a wonderful baseball program, and Connor, that's his strength. He's a baseball player before he's a basketball player, and I like him as a basketball player. I'm one of the few, uh, but I, I like him. I really do. Did you see, speaking of Connor, did you see his brother Patrick's tweet yesterday? Yes, I did. Did you see Jack Hoiberg's tweet about 10 days ago, a very similar tweet uh, in defense of his father? Basically, you know, you people, you're 
barking up the wrong tree type of thing. Right, yes. And then what happened? Well, Jack's dad got hired where everyone thought he was going to get hired. So I kind of just, well, you and know. Do you, does everybody know, even as their kids age, everything that's going on, the inner workings of their parents? No. Yeah, yeah probably not. Right? No. I don't know if I wanted, would have wanted to. No, actually, exactly. Think back. I mean, going back to the Hoiberg press conference earlier this week, we found out that him and Bill Moose met in Chicago during the Big mm-hmm, Ten tournament. Mm-hmm. Before was it before the Michigan State game for Nebraska? Not I think sure it was. What, which one it was? Yeah, but that's where they met. Well, this is even after or before Jack Hoiberg's tweeting out, "Hey, you guys don't know what's going on." Right. You know? Right. So Patrick McCaffrey did yesterday. I kind of find it ironic, and that first thing I thought of was Jack Hoiberg. Right. Uh, what he uh, tweeted about his dad. So we'll see. But anyways, Rob Howe spoke with Fran McCaffrey. Now I don't know if they actually spoke or communicated via text, but Rob. Uh, was the first uh, of the Iowa? He's uh, Iowa media to reach out. He's also at football practice today. Mm-hmm. Where the Iowa media? How long did they get to watch? Do I you think know? it was twenty minutes. Twenty minutes before they get booted out. Yes, I wonder round how the, that goes. Round them up and get them out of here. All right, everybody out. Steve Rowe just kind of hurting them. Well, I he's got his arms Steve. extended. I think he'd send out White. Oh, yeah, White's he's got a bigger wingspan. Right, right. He's a little more. He could really hurt him. And this is uh, this is no not a knock on Steve Rowe, who I like by the way. He yeah, used to work good guy. With. He is a good guy. Worked on the Prairie Meadows in 1989 uh, when I first got here. He was really? the, not the SID, but he was the media. He was the head of media relations at Prairie Meadows yeah. before he went to Iowa. Really? Yeah, before he went to Iowa, Phil, he he got fired at Prairie. Let go. I mean, yeah. there was such a, it was such a so many people. I'll never forget that time in my life. I I, I moved. From my country to here, yeah. right? The guy that hired me three days after I get here, he's out. <laughs> they bring in Drake's women's basketball coach to take over the track. What? Yes, Carol Baumgarten. Huh? Carol Baumgarten ran Prairie Meadows in 89 after it hit the fan. I mean, they were just bleeding, hemorrhaging money before the casino, right? Okay. So the guy that hired me and I left my country for... <laughs> he's he's gone. He's out of here, and uh, it's, yeah. But that's where I met Steve Rowe and worked with Steve Rowe. And then you know the layoff started, and mm-hmm. you know Steve was one of the first to Rick Rangitis, who wound up at the uh, Iowa Cubs for a long time. He was Sam Burnaby's uh, number two guy there. Rick Rangitis was caught up in all of that. But um, anyways, I digress. So Rob Howe's going to be here. But kind of a cool story with Carol Baumgarten in the history of Prairie Meadows, which is thirty years ago. Wow, thirty years ago. Um, then we're going to talk some NFL. We haven't talked NFL in a while. Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News has done a lot on the draft. He's their national uh, NFL columnist, and Vinny will slide on in here at 1045. Going to do something different at, t- at 1115 today. I, you, we really don't know anybody that's an alum um, that we have on the radio of one of the final four schools. But we know Matt Rudy, and he's one of our guys. And Matt's, uh, I've had Matt on the radio for now over 20, over 20 years. He's Golf Digest. He's terrific on golf. We're going to have him on next week. We're going to do the Masters. But he's a Michigan State grad. Let him gloat a little bit on Michigan State and how he sees it. But I also wanted, did you see the um, any of the match play last week? And where, where I'm going with this, Matt Kuchar and Sergio Garcia, did you see the incident that those two had? I did not. I heard some conversation about it, but I didn't see it myself. I happened to be watching it live at the time um, as as it happened. And there was a short putt. Mm -hmm. And you know in this match play, you don't have to putt out if your opponent gives it to you, right? Yep. You know, pick it up. And Sergio missed a putt. And before he could look up at Kuchar's, like about a four-incher, four or five-incher, he kind of takes his club and just kind of picks it, but missed uh-huh. And the hole had not been conceded. Now Kutcher said, "I'm going. I would have. I was about to. Right. But the official 
who was following the group said no. There was no conceding of that putt. And it got awkward yeah. with Garcia and Kucher and Garcia and the caddies afterwards. And Trent, during the break, if you get a chance, look up the... It is painful. Kucher and Garcia in a golf cart together trying to show the world that we're good. Oh, really? That we're, we're okay with this. We're, we're really close. We're really tight. It is as phony as the day is long. So we're going to talk about that with, with Matt. We'll save the Masters for next week. Uh, as what a, what a week, right? We oh, go from great. the National Championship Monday, Thursday. We're at Augusta. Just spectacular. Well, we're not actually there. We're actually here, but we're watching it and talking about it. Uh, so Matt Rudy, and then we're going to talk some baseball. Who we got at uh, 11.35? Zach Reimer will be joining us from Bleacher Report. We've had uh, Zach on for a number of years. Really good baseball scribe. Fun guy to talk with. And uh, yeah, we'll hit a lot of different areas. And probably where we should start. I guess. I know where you're going. The baseball front. That bullpen again for the Cubs last night. Trent Ciszek, who I like, by the way. You're a Ciszek fan. Well, he was so good last year, right? Here's the thing. The Cubs bullpen was number one overall last year. They're 29 after what? How many games have they played now? Five? Five, yeah. A little small sample size. Small sample size, but when do you start panicking? What's that number where you can start? Like, we came in the other day and, you know, started to get down on them. Then I caught myself. They're three games in. Mm-hmm. You know, slow mm-hmm. your roll. But something looks off. It's something, yeah. And, I, and I'm just not so sure that, Kimber, that whoever they bring in is going to fix this thing. No, you wouldn't think so. I, I don't think that there is, Trent. Um it's just bad right now. It's just really bad. And again, Ciszek has been good. He, he he threw 15 pitches. It takes four before you take your base. That's He walked the bases full. 12 of his 15 pitches were outside the strike zone. And they actually were, which is another story that I want to bring up at some point during the program today because watching these guys behind the plate, and I was never, all, I was never for this. I liked the umpires. Mm-hmm. I thought there was a part of the game. I want the human element. But, Trent, I'm starting to come around. I really am. I'm starting to think, you know what? We have the technology. I don't see Tim McClellan on Eric Cooper on a weekly basis anymore. Right, yeah. And I don't have to, you know, not not hide my feelings towards them, but I like these guys, and I like that what they did for a living for the longest time, and Coop's still doing it. But I'm starting to think, you know what? These guys are so bad, <laughs> so often. Bring in the robots? Well... Computer generated strike strike zone, you know if it if it's in the zone it's a strike. So, this is the one thing that that I've always wondered about. I mean, you see the the fox box up there mm-hmm. as you're watching the game, but it's different for everybody, right? I mean, what is what is the strike zone supposed to be in Major League Baseball? Well, it, it changes every year it's from the knees to the letters, right? I mean, that's what it was for the long, but it's not. No, it's, it's not. It's part of the unwritten rules. Yeah, they say the rules say it's the knees, but it's actually a few inches above. Well, then write that in the rules. And, and if you have the Fox box and that's what you use, that strike zone is bigger. I mean, high strikes don't get called in Major League Baseball. Very seldom. You're right. There, there's only a, mm-hmm. a few certain umpires that you can look at that call that. But overall, I mean, it's from maybe the top of the belt yeah. to above the knee. I mean, that's really what the strike zone is. Well, if that's the case, that box needs to shrink. Mm-hmm. Or you're mm-hmm. going to have a whole lot of pissed off hitters and pitchers too. I mean, Lester last night. Yeah, I mean, Lester last night, and, and he's he he doesn't handle this well. He no. gets frustrated when he's not getting the calls, and and he nibbles the corners, and he's so good at doing that for the most part. Boy, he's a horse. Mm-hmm. He's such a horse. He was so good last night. Terrific. Did you see the error on Jason Hayward where the ball was it first or second inning? 
The ball I didn't skipped through his leg. I mean, it was a ground ball up the middle. Jason Hayward, really good defender, goes down on one knee. I mean, he was due fundamentally. He was right on the money, but the ball skipped between his legs and past his glove. But if you watch it, it clearly hits something right before it gets to him and takes in a, a sharp left and goes through his leg. Anyways. Uh, Lester overcomes that, works his way out of it. This is a decent Cubs team with one major, major flaw. Is it fatal? This bullpen, Brandon Kinsler, we've seen this guy for a while. Mm-hmm. He's bounced around. He was mm-hmm. in Milwaukee, Minnesota, yeah, yeah. Washington. Right. He may good at any of them. But ironically, he's their best guy out of the pen so far. Steve Cishek. I like him, but last night he was awful. And this is a prolonged career. I mean... The ebbs and flows of relief pitchers, there's a reason they're relievers for the mm-hmm. most part. Because they couldn't be a starter. Right. These guys all have warts to them. Rosario? Yeah, came in and promptly uh, cleared, uh, gave up a ball that went over Almora's head. Bases cleared. Montgomery, Brock. Yeah. Carl Edwards Jr., who thought he had figured out what he was going to do on the on the bump, and then right at the end of spring training, he no, you can't do down, that. He wears down, Trent. He wears down. He does? And no. he's, he's really good when he's good, but he's the fatigue and... He just can't handle the rigors of 162 or whatever he plays. There's not a lot of guys in this bullpen that Mm -hmm. you can be excited about, I don't think. No, and there's a lot of people out there that, you know, will get Brandon Morrow back and he'll solve some things. And, man, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, And look, here's the thing. They they finish up the series tonight. Hugh Darvish, who was god-awful in his start on Saturday against the Texas Rangers. He was bad. Now, he had a really good spring. He was bad on... Saturday, he'll pitch tonight for the Braves and against the Braves, rather. And then once it's all said and done, they jump on an airplane. You know where the Cubs spend the weekend? In Milwaukee. That is not the team that you want to see right now. Absolutely not. You know, you asked Cappy this yesterday. Yes, what's today? Wednesday? Today's Thursday. Yesterday. (laughs) You asked Cappy this yesterday about is this team tight? Yeah. And he wasn't going to be, he wasn't buying that for one no. second. You know what Lester said last night after the game? Guys, we're playing a little tight. We're playing a little tight. I heard the exact same right? thing and I chuckled myself. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he thought that, you know what, there was pressure on us to get off to a good start. And there was because the manager is under pressure to get off to a good start. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to be fired in the season. I really don't. But I didn't think that they'd get off to the piss poor start that they have. And again, Comes Milwaukee this weekend. Oh, right. Not easy. John joins the program. Uh, John, welcome, Miller and Condon. How are you? I'm fine, guys. And I, I'm I'm really right there with you, Ken, on this umpiring thing. I'm I'm a traditionalist. Hate the DH. You know, blah mm-hmm. blah blah. Yep. And human error. Blah blah blah. But they got to do one of two things, and one they are not going to do, and that is get that box off the screen. Right. It doesn't help they the umpires, do does other. it? Yeah. I mean, you got to either use it for strikes mm-hmm. and balls. Or get it the hell out of there yeah. because it's killing these guys. It, that's a great point. It's a great point. HD and that and technology is what they can put on TV has not been kind to the umpires, John. Excellent point. Yeah, yep. and I, I think Brandon Belt got called out on strikes against the Dodgers the other night, a, a ball that was way above the belt. Really? Called the strike. And it was on the top of the line of the, the box that's, that's shown. Uh-huh. It was actually a little bit above the line. And... But you're right. That doesn't get called. Even the top part of that box doesn't get called most of the time. So call it, don't call it, but don't show me the box and then not call it. That's not working for me. Excellent point, John. Thank you. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you calling in. Do so anytime. You know, it's funny. uh, Speaking of of that point, I was watching a little bit of the Twins and Royals yesterday and Dick Bremer. Fun game, wasn't it? Oh, it was. Yeah. I I I watched. That's why I spent my afternoon doing watching your Twinkies. He, uh, so there was a pitch. It was late. I can't remember who was pitching for the Twins, but. Called a ball, mm-hmm. and then the next pitch, same spot, called a strike, and Dick Bremer <laughs> said, 
One looked just like the one that was called a ball. I remember the sequence you're talking about. It's because that that does no consistency. I do wonder, and I, as soon as he said that, the play-by-play guys now in baseball, how often are they actually watching the monitor now, as opposed to what's happening mm. out on the field? Mm-hmm. Because of just that, man, it's so much easier. Yes, you right. can see where that pitch was. Right. right. It's a completely different perspective. It's a much better perspective for balls and strikes. Now, the part that you miss is somebody hits it, you're not going to be able to track it at, right. in the field. So were they just watching the television broadcast of it and calling it from there? Or are they watching it and watching Yeah, I wonder what the percentage of play-by-play guys do that, right? I mean, I would think the older guys whose eyes start to go a little bit would sure. uh, yeah. would use that as a crutch. It's not a crutch. It's, no. it's available to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and why not if you can? It's not like you're just going to stay glued to that and you're not going to take a look up and look what the playing <laughs> surface, for crying out loud. Um, but yeah, if I, but here's the thing. If, if we do replace the umpires behind home plate, where, where do we stop? Just first, everywhere? Everything's... You can challenge now first base or any of the bases. Everything's in a control center and fair foul. Yeah, I mean, are, are we going to come to a point and you know I don't know when that's going to be. I don't know if it'll be in my lifetime. It'll probably be in yours, where where these guys are just ruled antiquated. We don't need them anymore. I hope that's not the case. How, who's an umpire? Who's a manager going to come out and get in a, a right. boo ha ha with? I, I love that part of the game. Is he going to make it a phone call and yell at the guy back in the command <laughs> center in New the, York? Yeah, you can see him picking up the phone and yelling in, and that's not what we want to see. Not we want to see the umpire giving it back to him. Although we saw that last night, and this was just a. It was another example of it. The, I'm not sure the umpire that had the Rangers. Uh, Astros game last night and, and kicked out um, the pitching coach for Houston and AJ Hinch for Houston over just over his own mistake. Speaking of uh, guys getting ejected, did you see Popovich with the Spurs got ejected? I didn't. What happened? Sixty three seconds in. He'd no, seen <laughs> I'm sure he had a dinner. Sixty three seconds. So this had to be lingering oh, from it, the pre- it, previous yeah, time he saw absolutely. this guy, right? And, and it's so funny, and it's it's really apparent. Neither Ken and I watch a whole lot of NBA till the playoffs until we get. Here through the final four. Yeah. And then, all right, now it's time it's for NBA the NBA season. Yes. Yeah. And the dichotomy between college coaches on the sidelines, and we see here in our state with Fran McCaffrey, yeah. and the NBA guys, how rare it is for an NBA coach to, to lose his, you know what, to yeah. just blow his top. Right. That's a good point. You it's don't see that a lot. incredibly rare. Uh-huh. Now, we see players do a whole lot more, and that's maybe the player empowerment era of, of the NBA, but it's just so different. College coaches, is it just because college coaches – they are the face of the program. They get that leeway. Does that need to be reined in from officials at the NCAA level? I would argue yes. Yeah, because you just don't certainly. see it at the NBA. No, you don't. That's a, so. What 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 got under his skin? Did you did you, I, I didn't see it? Yeah, right. I, I just saw he was ejected in sixty three seconds. Sixty three seconds in, tossed. Still got a full paycheck. Yeah, of course he did. Yeah, pretty uh, good did, idea. Did did uh, his team win? The Spurs win? Do you I, know? I didn't even see that. Do you care? Well, do you? <laughs> we'll get through Monday, and then I'll start carrying. Get through Monday. So you will be there, Mr. Executive, is sponsoring. We'll get you a couple of hits tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll be uh, making your way up to the Twin Cities. I'll get you 10 and right at 11, so I'll man the ship over here and try not to ruin things for you when you get back. You'll be there for Saturday's games. Yep. You're credentialed. You'll be there for Monday's championship, and you'll get your pen out. And you'll promptly, uh, at some point Monday night, get your bucket list and your pen and scratch it off. So excited. I this. bet you are. But there is that lingering wish Duke and Zion was there. Yeah. Even though it helped my bracket, even mm-hmm. though it, it helped eh, Big Ten, another team there mm-hmm. in a local angle, seeing Zion, Zion Williamson in person, 
getting to be there, Duke being there. Watching practice. Would have been a little little more juicy at the very least. I guess. You still got a pretty good one. I mean, I love the uh, the Michigan State-Texas Tech matchup, and mm-hmm. Auburn's been a revelation in this tournament, and, and the story, again, uh, the Virginia story. Um, it, it'll be an all-timer if they get there. Do you have an opinion yet who's going to win it? I'll ask you tomorrow. I mean, I'm yeah. going to put your feet to the fire tomorrow. All right, that sounds good. Yeah, but I, right I, now, and you, you subject to change. I had Michigan State, Virginia before the tournament began. Well, then so how can you come off of those? I two? don't think you can. You can't. We'll take a timeout. Rob Howe joins us next. He watched 20 minutes of practice uh, today with the Hawkeyes. And uh, should we try to give away a little green here? Yeah, good idea. Excellent idea. In it's uh, it's time to go for the green with KXNO and EKG Golf. Text the keyword hockey to 200-200 right now to win $1,000 cash. That's hockey to 200-200 standard message and data rate supply. Back with Rob Howe, HawkeyeNation.com, Miller & Condon, on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. This is 1460 KXNO. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Fran McCaffrey not backing down, Trent, if that's where you were going. He spoke with Rob Howe yesterday when the word leaked that Arkansas may be flirting with uh, Coach McCaffrey or vice versa. And Rob Howe from HawkeyeNation.com reached out to him, and he was the first Iowa media to do so. Rob, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on, Rob Howe. How are you? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. So let's go back to yesterday and the um, you know the buzzing around out there that's flirtation. This was prior to Scott Darkman tracking down the flight data, the flight uh, tracker, um, and being able to put a plane from Arkansas in Iowa City and then subsequently to Minneapolis before it left for Reno, which connected the dots to all three of the coaches that were connected apparently to the search. You reached out to Coach McCaffrey. Uh, kind of give us how that came about and uh, what the response was. Yeah, can I, uh, like a lot of people, either saw it, I guess that would have been Tuesday night late, their, their, um, I think it was a guy who used to publish Lobo Lair in New Mexico, and he's obviously his connection is the Nevada job being in that conference and uh, following the Eric Musselman search, because he's kind of seems like he's been, he and Kelvin Sampson were at the top of that list for Arkansas initially. But anyway, I um, saw his, you know, his tweet and followed up with Fran yesterday morning. Um, not knowing if he would respond to me or not. He sometimes does. He sometimes doesn't. <laughs> right. and, uh, he was pretty quick to, you know, to respond to this one and, you know, say no when I asked if he had had any contact. And then obviously semantics come into play and then people were asking, well, has his agent or anything like that. So followed up with him again. No. Um, and that was it for that portion of the day. He had, he was busy. He couldn't talk. Sat down and ate uh, eating eating dinner with my children last night, and the phone rang, and 
you know, look down, it's Fran McCaffrey. So got on the phone with him. We talked for probably a half hour, most of it off the record. Um, he kind of was making light of it, I guess, just in terms of how, you know, as you said, Ken, people were connecting dots on the airplane and, um, you know, the speculation train kind of got rolling. And I, I guess the things I can say is he was pretty adamant about he would not leave for a job in the SEC. He's had opportunities there before, hmm. not a conference he feels that he would fit in. Um, also, I asked him about the, um, the, the flight tracker, and he said to me, he goes, Rob, he goes, you've known me for nine years. You know I'm not dumb. You think <laughs> that I would have an interview with a school that I'm looking at in Iowa City? And I said, huh? I, it doesn't sound like you would. That would be pretty, that would be slipping up quite a bit. So, you know, I tried to, not, not to get too long-winded here, I tried to just look at this as best I could from with my reporter hat on and try to stick to facts and not speculate. And that kind of just led me to where I was, the story that I wrote, kind of what I've reported. But, it, I, you know, people are asking me, do you think he's telling you the truth? I, I don't know how to answer that, guys. Mm -hmm. Do you want me to call him a liar? <laughs> right. I, I, you know, I mean, you can only go so far with that stuff. I hope he's telling me the truth. When you ask anybody a question, you hope they're telling you the truth. We're all, we've all been in this business a while. We know that what is said one day can change in an, in an hour the next day. Um, guys say they're staying, they're leaving. And I think all of that comes into play when people are thinking about these things. So that's, that's kind of my long-winded answer on, on what went down yesterday. Rob, we, we've heard his name uh, connected uh, over the last couple of years with Georgia Tech, with Pittsburgh here, Arkansas. There's a possibility Seton Hall, who it, many people believed he was going to take the job before he took the Iowa job nine years ago. At the very least, on the surface, it looks like he is looking around it. And if there was ever a time before Patrick enrolls in school, wouldn't have to sit out, he'd get his release from the University of Iowa and be able to play. If there was ever a time to move, it'd be this year. If there isn't movement, is this chatter, I don't want to say gone forever, but at least dissipate going forward with McCaffrey leaving Iowa? It's it's tough to say, Trent. Um, like I said, it you know these things switch, uh, change so quickly, and, and obviously their family dynamics come into play. I think he has a daughter who's a freshman or sophomore in high school, so you can imagine what kind of uproar there would be if I don't know mm -hmm. if you guys have daughters, but I have two, mm -hmm. and I if I came home and said, "Hey, <laughs> right. we're leaving," yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what type of uh, uproar there would be there. I think his youngest son is in sixth grade so there are other you know the the connor and patrick part certainly fit in the equation i don't know about the other two i think guys he was closest to taking that georgia tech job i think that was the one that he thought long and hard about he coached down in that part of the country um at greensboro he it's a good job it's a great conference obviously I think that one and maybe Pittsburgh after that were probably the two closest. And I think most coaches do this. We don't hear about it a lot, but I think most coaches are, their doors are pretty much open to their agent saying, Hey, do you want me to look at this? Do you want me to look at that? Is this a possibility? Would you think, you know? So I think throughout his nine years here, particularly after he got things rebuilt, 
there have been feelers out for him. He's a guy that's been able to rebuild programs mm-hmm. and take them to the NCAA, and there's a market for that. Mm. It's also going to be 60 next month, and I, and I don't know what the shelf life is, Rob. Like, I'm 60. I think I'm still young, but I'm not getting, you know, being uh, courted as a, as, a, as a coach at, at a high level. But, I mean, there, there's got to be, you know, that it's not that the, you know, it's about to expire, um, his shelf life, but how many opportunities realistically come along uh, at that age? Yeah, that's a good point, Ken. And I think we saw that with Kirk Ferentz, you know, early on in those. You know, the, that first run that he had, the 2002 to 2004, it seemed like there were a lot more um, possibilities for him, or at least, you know, we heard about, you know, the Jaguars or, or different colleges Colts. being you yeah. know, interested, right? Um, but that kind of faded over time. And I think we're probably going to go through that with Fran, where it's, there's, you know, as they get older, there's less of a chance that they move. There's less of a chance that there's interest, you know, Perspective: Other jobs are looking for younger, the younger hires, the, the up-and-comers a lot of times. But I think there is still always a market there in a certain way for a veteran coach that you know that can come and bring stability to your program, a la Tom Davis at Drake and what he was able to do there. I think there are those spots, but as you said, Ken, I think there are fewer and fewer as you get older, as we all know. As I get older, I, I realize that as well. <laughs> Rob Howe joining us, HawkeyeNation.com. It's Miller and Conan on KXNO. Rob, with that, uh, a look if Ray McCaffrey's back to next year's basketball team. There's still the Tyler Cook decision that's going to be out there, some other parts, but is this going to be expectation-wise maybe the biggest season on the surface for Iowa basketball in his nine-year tenure? Yeah, I think the closest thing, Trent, would be that 2015 team with uh, mm-hmm. with Woodbury, Utah, and the, and the gang that were coming back with, you know, Jock as well. I think there were high expectations for this team. But just the way, this was just a bizarre season from the Gary Dolphin stuff mm-hmm. to Fran at Ohio State. It was just a really strange season. There was the, you know, the, the non-conference where they ran the table, then they got off to a good start or a slow start in the Big Ten then rebounded and then went in the tank again and, you know, fell on their face against Michigan in the Big Ten tournament. They come back and beat Cincinnati, uh, take Tennessee to overtime. I think the way the season ended, pushing Tennessee, a team that was a two-seed that far, it's amazing how 20 minutes of basketball, if that that 20 minutes would have went differently, if the first half would have carried over into the second half and Iowa just went into the tank, how much different the narrative, the view of this program would be. But they kind of raised the bar and set things up for next year by playing as well as they did in that second half. I think they're going to come into the season next year, and not only internally but externally, people are going to expect a lot. If if Cook comes back, um, if there aren't any more defections, maybe they bring in a graduate transfer now with Macy Daly leaving. Um, You look, you know, Patrick McCaffrey, highly regarded recruit. They've got the point guard that everybody wanted, a fast guy that can defend dribble penetration and penetrate off the dribble. A lot, I can, I can picture it now. The, the bar is going to be very high for this team next year.
year. Hmm. Rob Howe, HawkeyeNation.com. Rob, a couple more minutes, we'll let you go. The media had 20 minutes today to watch uh, spring football practice. You, you got to see some of the offensive line, the starters that were out there at first, Devontae Young moving over to the safety position. He was an internet uh, sensation a couple years ago when he arrived as a freshman to change the receiving core. Uh, now he's on the other side of the football, but, non- but nonetheless, what, what did you see? A couple of takeaways from uh, the time that you got to watch this morning. I think, Ken, that it's the, I think we're all kind of locked into those hot spots where we're looking at where, you know, what those areas, excuse me, that we can look at and say, okay, these are the areas that we need answers at. And I think the interior of that offensive line, uh, Ken Tyler Linderbaum, as a redshirt freshman, take over a really, really difficult position at center. Um, who fills in around guard, if you can do that, is a bandwark. Uh, Kalenberger was, was working with the ones at guard today, which is kind of an interesting aspect because he's, he's seen as a tackle, but he's also a person you're trying to get your five best offensive linemen. Maybe he fits in there for a year or two. Um, you look at that cash position that Amani Hooker vacated, uh, DJ Johnson, Michael Ojemudia getting looks there. How will they stack up against a guy who's probably a second or third round draft pick uh, and really save that defense last year with the injuries? Uh, how how are things going to come across at tight end? Uh, Sean Byers kind of nursing an injury. Drew Cook was in a boot today. Uh, Logan Lee, an incoming freshman who we thought was going to be a tight end, is now coming in as a defensive end. I guess what I'm saying it's Iowa. It's a developmental program, and there's a lot of stuff that's going to go on between now and the start of the season that will give us a, a clear picture of what's going on. But I think we all kind of know where those hot spots are and what we're looking mm. to, uh, where they're look, what they're looking to develop and find answers to. So uh, earlier this week, you guys had an opportunity to talk with Seth Wallace. He was talking about some different positions, different things that I was going to do defensively, things like that. And it felt like as I was listening to the interview – Seemed like he was having a little fun with you guys, maybe throwing terms and seeing if he could get you uh, media guys all off your game. Yeah, Seth is <laughs> he's, a, he's kind of a character, and he understands that dynamic of, you know, he he's been around Kirk enough to understand Kirk not wanting certain information out there and the fans and the media wanting all that information. And he has a knack for kind of playing in the middle. <laughs> he kind of... He got. He left the interview room yesterday, and he's like, "Hey, have fun with that three four that three four look that I dropped on you guys. I know you'll have fun with that, and that's that's kind of his thing. And and it is fun. I think we've all had fun with that. Amani Jones at defensive end, as a edge defender, just mm-hmm. different stuff. We've all, you know, after twenty years of Kirk, and we've gotten so ingrained that you know four three defense, uh, bend but don't break. You know." Uh, power eye or whatever. It's kind of neat to have some of these young coaches that have come in here, Brian, Seth Wallace, Kelvin Bell, just giving us a kind of a breath of fresh air. And I credit Kirk with kind of allowing that to happen. I mean, because he is the guy that controls mm-hmm. everything. He's let go of the reins a little bit and let people, you know, we're, we're getting more interviews with these guys. We're seeing behind the curtain a little bit more. And it's kind of refreshing. No question about it. You got to feed the beast, and that's what you guys are doing. Rob, HawkeyeNation.com. Great info, Rob. Thank you for joining the program. 
I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for Yeah, good us. to talk to you. Rob Howe, HawkeyeNation.com. We'll take a time out. We're going to switch gears entirely, do a little NFL conversation, Vinny Iyer, and the draft. Sporting news, that's next. Miller & Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. IA.org. This is 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Taking you up until noon here on Des Moines Sports Station. Let's get Vinny Iron here, Sporting News. Boy, Vinny pulled a fast one on April 1st. Oh, yeah, he got you? Oh, God, not only got me, he put his mock draft out. Uh-huh. So, you know me, I'm a mock draft, I love it, right? I, I love this time of year. I'm a junkie. And as I always do, I click on Vinny's stuff all the time, and I'm looking, I'm thinking, what the, boy, that's changed since last time. <laughs> this absolutely makes no sense. Vinny, you got us. Uh, I can only imagine what your Twitter feed was like. How are you? I'm doing well. The Twitter feed wasn't all that bad. I think there was a little confusion, but it, this is also a testament to if you actually read something and go in for <laughs> Good point. a few picks. Uh, it was a bit of a progressive. Uh, it started to make it made a little bit of sense early, but then you got to like pick 15 or 16. You something was up just with the picks and the Brett Rippin. Yeah, yeah. Brett <laughs> Rippin was pretty much. I think that was the thrust of where it uh, went downhill from there, if you so to speak. So it, it was just a little bit of fun looking at the draft. And, uh, again, we put it right in the headlines. It was the NFL mock-mock draft. Yeah. I guess uh, uh, we, we tried a little something a little different. Uh, it worked. I, I think I actually got more hate tweets about tweeting about uh, uh, DC Comics than I did that draft. So it wasn't too bad. Interesting. Well, Vinny, uh, you put a lot of work into this. It's, I, I think it's a wonderful process. I really do. How much fun do you have with this? I mean, this is, you know, you're busy, obviously, from once training camp starts until the Super Bowl, but then you're, you know, we're looking at combine and stuff. How much time do you spend on this? How difficult is this to do? Well, I think my goal in this is you're not going to get the picks, right? Because each pick is dependent on the previous pick, and things can go out of whack, and trades are going to happen. No matter how many you project, something new is going to happen that you don't expect. So this is more to get into the minds of these teams that are picking. Right now you have three teams that aren't picking with the trades that you've had in the first round. So that kind of throws things off. But you want to get the mindset. I think there's a lot of excitement over the Raiders. Packers and now the Giants having three, two, and two picks. So you look at that, you just want to see what could they do. They have all these possibilities. It becomes interesting when you have multiple teams with multiple picks. So you're just trying to figure out how it could go, not only with the value of the prospects, what these teams are looking at, their needs, and all that. And that's why it's fun to see it change over time because you started one player and completely different player by the time you're done with it. So I think it's just a guide. It's more than a, an actual, like, this is what's going to happen. So at the top of the draft, uh, most everybody assumes that it is going to be Kyler Murray that's going to go. Of course, a year ago, Arizona drafted a quarterback in Josh Rosen. Is the plan, or would a realistic plan, be to keep Rosen around and then wait for maybe an injury during training camp this year, go that direction, or do you expect him to be shopped and moved before we even get to the draft? I mean, this theory has popped up a little bit more of late in terms of if they can't move him, is it the worst thing in the world? Maybe not, but then you're looking at you have a competition. I guess one of these guys is going to come out on top, but what if both of these guys don't pan out? And you have a competition of guys that 
nobody else wants. You invested two pretty high draft picks on the most important position and got no return, and you don't have any other position to show for it. So I don't think there's a financial risk as much with keeping both quarterbacks around because of the way the rookie deals are structured, but it's more your team progress risk. Are you just holding yourself back by – you say if Josh Rosen was going to win this competition anyway, you're holding yourself back by not getting a cornerstone for your defense here. Nick Bosa at, at the number one pick, and maybe Rosen is the guy that can work with Cliff Kingsbury. So there's all these kind of question marks. What makes it fascinating is how cheap young quarterbacks are and how much it allows you to uh, do a do-over. Right. We've seen do-overs pretty quickly between four years, but – We've never seen one in the very next year, so that would make it very interesting. Finney, before we get back into the draft, and I want to ask you about the local questions, this just popped into my head, and I'm going to go away from sports, and I seldom do, because you're the only person that Trent and I know that appeared on Jeopardy. <laughs> uh, and Alex Trebet has just, um, you know, within the last couple of weeks, gone public with, uh, uh, with daunting medical news for him. My question is to, to you. When you were, when you were a contestant, how much interaction, you know, what, what was Trebek like as, because you were in the room with him. You, you were one of the contestants. What was that like in reference to what Alex Trebek was like? Well, being about 20 years ago now, I think obviously things have changed for him. He's gotten older and um, had some other things settle in for him. But I think he just has a lot of fun and is a guy that you kind of know if it's going in the right direction, rapport-wise. And, uh, and there's some players that are, are odd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he looks to say when you have the interviews and they're a little bit out there. I think he struggles more with them. I think if you're down to earth and humble and uh, you just play your game, I, I think he's going to like you a little bit more. And I, I definitely got that vibe from him. So that's good. I didn't make him upset. Right. I, I remember the last thing, uh, last day I was with him and he just said, uh, good luck to everything you do in life. And I thought that was a pretty good takeaway to have uh, from that experience. That's good. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. So let's get back to what you do, Vinny Iyer, Sporting News. I want to ask you about the three local teams. Of course, the Bears don't have a pick. They've got Khalil Mack, and they're perfectly happy with that. Uh, the Packers, you have uh, inside linebacker, and Devin White is a really good player. He's so fast. Maybe a little slight, but you can say the things about some of the Bears have drafted in that position. But White is, is a guy in an area of need. Tight end might be the other spot there. Uh, how did you come up with Devin White as your Packer at 12? Well, if you look at the team they're off season so far, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos, these are all guys that uh, kind of fill the same area of the field. And I think the Packers are just tired of having deficiency, and they've kind of been status quo with their edge pass rush. They've got disappointing safety play that's gone up and down. And they've had one linebacker they like to some degree in Blake Martinez, but you have that other spot open now that Jake Ryan has gone to the Jaguars. So uh, I think this is a good opportunity to get a little bit more speed in the middle of that defense. I think that's been also a complaint. It's like they've gotten slow and not been as effective there, both when it comes to getting the quarterback and uh, stopping the run. So uh, it always seems to be something or other. The pass rush or the run defense, something is letting down the Packers. And I think they want to get back to a place where they're active, making a lot of plays against the pass. And, uh, White or uh, Devin Bush from Michigan, that mm-hmm. both would uh, fill that void. Uh, Vikings, no surprise here. You've got them taking an offensive lineman, Cody Ford, a guard. It's been a long time since Steve Hutchinson anchored the left guard position uh, in Minnesota. They need offensive linemen in the worst way, Vinny. Yeah, and you look at their offseason, it's been pretty quiet in, in terms of addressing that. Really, 
quiet overall. They didn't have too much money to work with. But, yeah, I think offensive line would be a strong position they would look at. I think defense, they've been drafting a lot for depth, and I think that will continue. I think they have a few more glaring holes on defense, but I think that's another position they would look at. And, uh, yeah, I think offensive line, I think them in Houston, they're picking in that uh, first-round range, are both probably going to be looking at similar players. So they're probably going to be competing and uh, have to make the right decision there. And the Chiefs, we know their offense is as good as any in the in the league, but defense, they got some work to do. You've got Byron Murphy slipping all the way to 29. Boy, if he's there, that's a steal of the kid from Washington. Yeah, and uh, spoiler, he may not be there in the next mock draft, I do. Okay. Right. <laughs> He's rising up the boards, but there are some other guys that they can really like. And uh, with the Chiefs, they've got to uh, kind of look at they're overhauling their offense pretty much. I mean, or defense, I would say, because when you look at Eric Berrigan and Eric Murray in the trade there, they picked up Emmanuel Ogba, lost Justin Houston, and D Ford. So it's going to be a new look Chiefs defense overall when you have uh, Bob Sutton out as well as defensive coordinator. So I think defense, defense, defense. I think they're fine offensively. I know they lost there, Chris Conley, Demetrius Harris, uh, Kareem Hunt, they're fine moving on with Damian Williams, but I think defense has to be the order there for the Chiefs, kind of like the Packers are. They're tired of having that top offense and that top quarterback and saying, defense is going to cost us here. We want to at least have a legitimate defense who can play off that quarterback and uh, the passing game building leads. On the local front, Vinny, on the college ranks, T.J. Hawkinson you have going 11 to Cincinnati, no Noah Fant or Akeem Butler in the first round for Iowa or Iowa State, respectively. Uh, Fant seems like there could be a team late in that first round, maybe that that would really like him and the athleticism. Any shot at all for Butler of ISU though to uh, get a first round pick to to slip in there late? Well, I think the wide receivers are kind of a jumbled mix there because earlier I thought there'd be several wide receivers going in the first round, but now it could be just uh, looking at. Marquise Brown and D.K. Metcalf, those could be the only two right now, but there are a lot of different contenders. I think Butler's one of them. I think Nikhil Harry of Arizona State is one. Kelvin Harmon of NC State. Could they creep in there? Uh, Terry McLaurin of Ohio State keeps rising. He was at one point a day two, but as an outside shot and going in the first round as well as his teammate uh, Paris Campbell. So there's a lot of different options of wide receiver, just that they're very specific skill sets. I don't think there's one maybe complete dominant receiver after you get through Metcalf, and uh, even Hollywood Brown is not necessarily that elite receiver because he, the size is not as ideal what you like in your number one. So a lot of different good skill sets, maybe not that complete receiver, but uh, when you look at Noah Fant as well, I, I think he's a bit of a luxury pick because he's not going to give you too much in terms of inline straight blocking, but if you can have a special player, get out there in space, make some plays, and have a hybrid wide receiver. I think he's the guy for you. and A bit of a luxury pick, and that makes it hard to slot. Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News. Vinny, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. We'll be closer to draft, and you'll have another update at that time. Vinny, thank you for coming on, as always. Good to talk to you. All right, thanks a lot, guys. Have thank you. Good. Vinny Iyer, Sporting News, got the mock draft rolling. Where we're not going to have a, an NFL team as our team of the day, Trent Condon. But no. We're going to have an, uh, a college team that sends a lot of guys to the NFL draft. But we're doing so with this team because they're playing for a championship tonight. There, there's a championship on the line. We're not talking about the CBI. No. Or the CIT. No. We're going to the big one. The big one tonight. NIT. 
NIT. And, and I don't think there's any Lipscomb fans in our listening audience. Pretty sure that's not the case, but there might be a Longhorn fan. And because of that, our random team of the day is the Texas Longhorns. If you're a Longhorns fan, just prove it to us. Tweet at us at Miller and Condon is where you can find us on Twitter, and we will get you hooked up with the flag courtesy of Heartland Flagpoles and Flags. Again, just go to Heart, uh, to Twitter and tweet at us a picture. You wearing a T-shirt, sweatshirt, hoodie, something like that, hat, whatever it may be. Show us you're a fan, and you get a flag. First one in gets that flag courtesy of Heartland Flagpoles and Flags. Hour number one in the books. We come back with the second hour next. As well. It's Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO.